Talk show. Hi there, my name is Susie Warren Smith, and for the next 30 minutes, we're going to be talking all things food and drink. I'm joined by my fellow presenter, AJ Sharp, who is a taste expert. Hello. Good morning. Morning. We're recording in the morning today. And um, you're a taste expert because you're a judge for the Great Taste Awards and loads of other awards and you're a food writer and I could just go on and on and on. <laughs> I'm very excited about tasting gin. Oh, no. <laughs> um, so, yes, um, it is half past ten in the morning. Uh, we're recording today uh, as it goes out later today. But uh, for some reason, we really must get our researchers <laughs> to be a bit more efficient. Uh, we're doing gin and rum tasting. Mm. On a mon- on a Monday morning, um, but never mind. Best way to start the week, it, I think, Susie. Yes, probably the best uh, <laughs> way to start the week. Um, now, uh, one of the reasons why we've got this stuff here is we're not just going to talk about uh, uh, the drinks because we don't have our amazing drink expert Jane Payton with us. Although we're pretty good at tasting this stuff. Aren't? Well, we've done a little in our time. I, I like to <laughs> describe myself as an enthusiastic amateur, um, but uh, we're really interested in actually how you now make a brand work. Uh, can you just survive by selling stuff online or do you need to mix it in with something else? So I'm quite interested in, in talking about the importance of experiential uh, on this program, AJ. You mm. know, what is experiential? What does it mean? Uh, what are your thoughts? What actually does it mean when, when, in a PR sense, when you say, yeah, yeah, that we're going to do some marketing and it's experiential? What does that actually mean? Well, it means you can be involved, doesn't it? It means that there's this sort of tactile element where you're either involved in the tasting, it could be a tour. There's there's a huge rise in experiential experiences, isn't there, with escape rooms and so that'd be like visitor experience, exactly. Really. Um, and do you think then, um, from a PR perspective, if you if you do sell something, we've got some experts um, who can talk to us about this today. But if you do sell something and then somebody comes to your gaff, mm-hmm. how to say that, <laughs> uh, and and can see what you're doing and you can explain what your ethos is and what your beliefs are. That actually, in a way, that that that's recruiting people as a sort of brand ambassador somehow, and and, and an advocate for what you're doing because people can explain it to other people and you know, become loyal to your your brand. And I think, I mean, the majority of people in this country are kinesthetic learners. You learn through doing and touching and feeling and tasting. And exactly as you say, if you're wanting to really involve somebody in your brand and and absorb them into your brand, then that no better way than getting them to come along and taste something or try something or even make their own sometimes. I think they work really, really well. Mm. Well, we've got experts who can and talk to us about this today. John Mills of The Foundry. Good, Good morning, morning, John. Good morning. I've been over to your place. I love it in there. Good. In the Good. middle of Canterbury. So you very kindly bought us some stuff to taste first thing in the morning. We'll do that later. 
Um, just explain exactly when you go into to uh, slightly around the back streets of Canterbury, really big visitor place Canterbury up there with York and and, and places Absolutely. like that. Absolutely, uh, and and is around the corner. So, just explain when you go in what your what your setup is like there. It's quite an old building, isn't it? Yeah, so it's an old Victorian foundry. Um, they made the very first electric street lights ever made in the world and parts for the first railways. So it's got a great, great history. Um, lovely, lovely building. Um, you come in, it's a 120-seater restaurant in two rooms. Um, so you walk into the bar area, um, which is really Victorian um, in how it looks. And then you walk through into the barn. And in the back, we have our brewery and distillery where we make... 14 beers and ciders uh, and also nine spirits, but from scratch. And when you sit in uh, where you are, even if you're just going for a pint, you don't have to eat, do you? Um, do you think that seeing what's going on, you know, because I know it's glass there and you can actually see the stills and all that. Do you think that really helps uh, um, people buy into what you're doing? Yeah. Because they know that you're doing it on the premises. Yeah, massively. I mean, we've been going nearly 12 years now and but I've really, really learned in the last few years how important that is. And um, so even if you're not taking part in a distillery tour, or brewery tour, or um, or a talk from myself, then uh, people come in for taster trays. So our biggest selling individual product over the bar, which you would imagine would be like foundry uh, gold or lager. Which is your um, signature beer, isn't it? The foundry yeah, one, first one you ever did. Absolutely. It's a taster tray. So the biggest individual selling product, even above burger, is the taster tray, which has you know three or five samples of of beer, um, and that gives you an idea how important it is. So AJ, that's that's what we mean by experiential, isn't it? It means that the, um, a couple of people can sit, uh, they can discuss what's in front of them. Oh, I like that one. Oh, do you taste that? And that's part of that's that's what we're trying to explain about experience. Yeah, I think it's. It's that educational side, isn't it? Because consumers, you know, people generally today are much more educated about their food. They're much more involved. They really want to have tried everything. And it's that there is so much variety that actually we all want to make sure we're tasting the best. And and if you're going to buy a bottle of gin at the end of the day or a, a, take home a case of beers, you want to have tasted them all and you know, know that you've each got one's the got best a, one. a story as well. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah. So so is it groups of people that do that? I, I presume people don't normally do that on their own, I would guess. Yes, they do. Oh, do they? Yeah, yeah. As oh, I said, damn. it's the biggest individual product we sell. Really? So you can often come in and find every table. Um, has taster trays, including people on their own. So people are coming in specifically for a taster tray to have the experience. Wow. They might be down on business. They're here on their own, you know, a bit of entertainment for the day. They Freak finish themselves. work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, COVID really hit hospitality hard, mm -hmm. uh, uh, literally having to just shut down, yep. which nobody who in business looks at your forward budgets for three years, you know, nobody can actually factor that in and it, and it hurts. Uh, really badly. That's right. Do you think now that you're 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 sort of back on your feet again? Please, this isn't going to happen again. Um, uh, how are you trading now? Are you above where you were before, or, or have you managed to get back on your feet? Yeah, incredibly. I mean, we'd we'd had a really tough time before COVID. Um, we'd actually uh, the area went into liquidation, and we were on land that needed to be you know reclaimed by the liquidators. So we had to move and rebuild. So we were pretty tough at that point. And once we'd rebuilt, we then hit COVID. Um, so we've had a tough time, but I'm 
never been more optimistic about the business than I am today in 12 years. And, and, and as, a, as a sort of advisor to other people who, who are, are brewing and distilling, is it really important, do you think, to have some presence, even if it's a pop-up occasionally or do some events? You know, is, is it a really important part of the marketing mix for you? Hugely important. Dealing directly with the public and telling your story um, and showing your passion for what you do, that's why you do it. They, so they want to see, your customer wants to see that. So it's it's massively important. And, and I think a lot of people have learned, certainly the breweries have learned, um, you know, in, in opening their doors up because um, they could only sell directly to the public. And, mm. and, and I think a lot of lessons have been learned. And do you think um, as, as well um, it's a great opportunity to get feedback? Oh, massive, yeah. I mean, we've been doing this for, again, over 11 years. So uh, we started off with two real ales, which are still our most popular today, and then three, then four, and then and then uh, keg beers. And all of those beers have been vetted by by your customers. So the, the only reason they're on the bar is because the customers uh, refuse to allow them to leave the bar. <laughs> so, um, you know, and, yeah. and that, so we've got, and I think you've tasted it, we've got 5.8% uh, porter real ale. You would never expect that to sell in the summer. And we took it off uh, in the summer because we served it in the winter and we received so many complaints we've never taken it off the bar <laughs> In but, nine but years. You, but you know what my favourite is? Well, the Itzamna, yeah, of course. 9.6% chocolate yes, vanilla I admit, porter. I admit it is a bit wow. strong, but <laughs> it's absolutely gorgeous. I mean, really Thank you. great, complicated, deep. It's lovely. Uh, um, can only really have one half because that's about, God, I mean, it's, absolutely. Um, it's pretty heavy going stuff. Um, can you please hurry up and bottle it? I do ask you every time I see you. Yes, you do. Any chance um, that it, we can bottle we, it so I can take it home? We, 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 will, we will try. <laughs> we will, we're certainly considering. It. Yeah. So um, uh, uh, very important to get the feedback. Um, but also, I think you have to be absolutely ruthless, John. If something doesn't work, fail quickly, just replace it with something else. It's not a failure, is it? It just It's just not hitting home for some reason. Experiment, get it right, put it on, take it off, see, you know, see what happens. Absolutely. But I have to drink that one myself. So yes. I've got a couple of weeks of drinking that myself till we run out and then, yeah. we, and then, we, yeah. and then we move on. So. Yeah. And yeah. loyal staff, you know, they help me out. Yeah, yeah, that's very good. And it starts to grow on you after a while. Yeah. <laughs> so you've been very used to um, brewing beer. Uh, you've now gone into sort of gin and rum and whiskey. Yep. J just tell us a little bit. I have been around um, uh, your uh, brewery at the back there um, and you had these casks. Where do you get the casks from? Because the, the, the wood's important, isn't it, as part of the flavour? Oh, massively important. Yeah, well, we, we actually source our casks from uh, Scotland and from from France, so um, and the cooperage in Scotland, they supply us with uh, virgin American oak. Uh, once used bourbon cask, but we've also for our rum um, uh, got a, a, a wonderful cask from uh, Portugal, uh, Muscatel casks. Well, that gets a really lovely flavour in there. Yeah. So, what should we try first? What do you recommend? I'm I'm quite interested in your rum. I think. Okay. Well, yeah. Um, AJ, do you want to describe what it looks like? It's got a great smell as well. It's got a beautiful golden colour, hasn't it? Really mm. deep. And I know rum is used a lot in cocktails, but but it's a really good drink on its own. Absolutely. I mean, do you just have it with ice? Or? Yeah, all of my drinks I would have just with ice. Just with ice, but then I I make it, so I would say yeah, that. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah, because to get real, real, um, Almost like real flavours, drink, drink, drinking it, it needs it so, and savouring it. it. Have you just sipped it? I haven't yet, but the nose is it's sort of brown sugar and actually quite smooth, quite fruity. Smells isn't it? of sugar, mm. lovely deep demerara sugar, and not that horrible 
you know, sometimes you just get an alcohol uh-huh. hit. It's almost like petrol somehow. Yeah. You don't get any of that on this. And that's nearly 45%. So that's, that's quite a big, uh, quite a big hitter. Um, oh. But it's been, so the, the base rum is made and then we, we, we age it in these muscatel casks for a year before we then turn it into spice rum. So the colours come in from the muscatel cask. Oh, I do like that. Oh, it's <laughs> so nice. That is really, I They're really sort of like that. Spice and, and you, you know I'm like, I do I was say, about to say, do you get the spice? Apple pie apple. notes, lovely. Apple. So you get um, uh, sort of stewed fruit flavours from the cask, mm, um, from the so. previous occupant, which is the muscatel. Uh, a nice spice from the uh, European oak, mm. and then the spices that we use are sorry, but real spices. There are actually a load of spices. So vanilla, we Not chop flavoring, up. So yeah, actually, so we, yeah. we we chop up a load of vanilla, vanilla, throw it into the tank, select all our world spices, throw it into the tank, and we've got. And then uh, just let nature do its about magic. Ten, yeah, about ten days. Yeah. Ten that, days is that all? I thought it would be longer than that. Okay. For, for, for the actual um, spices, just about yeah. ten days, so we're not taking too much tannins out the okay. um, out the spice. But yeah, that that's pretty well the sweet spot. Do and then know, I taste it each day. I bet you till do. It's ready. Just, we look good on it. I have to say. <laughs> that's it. Um, so so John, um, I I would really consider having that as a, as a little bit of a an after dinner thing in place of a malt whiskey. It's so good. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, mm. would you? I just absolutely. Yeah, and it's so. really warming. It's very warming. Yeah. Great in the winter. Um, yep, great for people. Say it smells of Christmas, which is does a bit. It's a real, very smooth. Real compliment. And yeah. I think it's that vanilla that gives it that kind of buttery, rounded flavour. Yeah, yeah. It tastes like it's going to be sweet, doesn't it? It's lovely. And there's lots of orange, orange peel in there as well. Mm. It's been that steeped too. in there. So, uh, yeah, not sweet orange, but actually the peel. Mm. Mm. Really nice. Wow, uh, very right, enjoyable. So, Even yes. at ten in the morning, I know. So follow <laughs> that with. I know you do. Uh, we haven't got any of your whiskey today, but we've got some of your. Because it's not ready, is it? Whiskey has to be three years. Yeah, whiskey right? has to be aged for three years. So we've got our first cast we ever made is ready in August, but then that's going to be a bit of a celebration. That will be a bit of a celebration. Yeah, um, and then we we we've we, we've now upped it to seven casts a year, which. Yeah. We've got two and a half years to wait for those. Yeah, So we've got a, a gin here. We, we've talked about gin many, many times on this program, so I'm not going to go into, into the history of gin. Um, but we've got one here which says it's 58%. Normally gin's 40%. Why is it 50%? Yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's called the Navy Torpedo Gin. Absolutely. Tell yeah. us a little bit about the story. So um, Torpedo is because um, in the foundry that is our home, um, the first ever torpedo was was made there. Um, it's not a self-propelled torpedo that we think of today. Uh, it was commissioned by Admiral Harvey for the Royal Navy to be made. And it was a submerged vessel that was essentially towed because in those days it was sailing ships. It, uh, it wasn't motorized ships, so sailing ships. And it was towed by sailing ships and rammed into the opposition. Um, and, and that was tested off Herne Bay um, and blew out all of the windows in Herne Bay, which made it very popular. <laughs> yes, very. Um, uh, so, yeah, so that's the torpedo link. Uh, Navy gin. Um, so... In the times of when uh, gin was consu- or and or and or rum was consumed um, on on the boats uh, with the Royal Navy, which only stopped like in the seventies, it's quite recent. It? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> so the way the captain would uh, ensure that he wasn't being diddled by the suppliers, if you like, um, they would pour uh, some gunpowder on top of um, on top of the cask, and then they would pour the rum. Uh, or the navy gin on top and if it ignited then it was suitable to be 
purchased. They so knew it, it was the right strength. They knew it was over 57%. Being conned. Absolutely. Yes. But then the crew, to ensure that the captain wasn't conning them and had watered down their their uh, wonderful uh, gin, uh, would do the same test. Um, and so therefore they ensured they were getting the proper stuff. It's amazing. So, 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 so if you ever see anything called Navy Strength, that is the history of it, gin and yeah. rum. Yeah, over uh, And then, then people would uh, obviously dilute it. Absolutely blow your head off. No. No? No, they didn't dilute it. No, no, I meant we would nowadays. Oh, we would nowadays, maybe. Yes, we, maybe. <laughs> maybe, just adding the maybe there. Um, uh, but... but most gin now sold is about 40, between 40 and 45%. Yeah. Absolutely. So if you look at uh, the, the Navy gin, sometimes it's it's more expensive than normal gin, but it's because it's so much stronger and actually absolutely. it goes a much longer way. Yeah. And yeah. So kit neat like you, John. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. So there, there will be more tax on it and, yeah. uh, of, uh, and the ingredient, you've got less product because it's a higher strength. Yeah, so. sure. But I guess you can use less of it. You wouldn't need to do a yeah, full exactly. measure or... Exactly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But you, yeah, yeah, and you're getting some, you know, really intense, powerful flavors. So this is very distinctive flavor. Yes. Very juniper very yeah. isn't yeah. it? Yeah, really strong juniper flavor, and you yeah. really get the alcohol kick in this one, don't you? Yeah. If 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 you imagine like oh. if you've taken that down to forty three percent, and the the same level of juniper has been diluted, if, if you've got more bottles, mm. so you've got more intense, tense flavor there for sure. That is very, very heavy juniper. I would say you're the taste. Expert. Well, it's quite nasal clearing, I'm finding. <laughs> yeah, you've arrived with a little bit of a cold. That's gone. <laughs> Top tip there if you've uh, got a cold. Uh, navy gin. And a nice peppery finish. It has, mm. isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's very interesting. Wow. Uh, then this is um, rather bizarre, if I may say. Yeah. Um, and this is your Japanese gin. Yep. We are now used to seeing Japanese whiskey, of yep. course. Some extraordinary good uh, Japanese whiskies, Japanese gin. Have you heard of that? Do you come across that in the Great Taste Awards? As well? No, I've not come across Japanese gin. Never. No. I, I'm enjoying on the side of the bottle. It's spelt with a J. J I N. Yes, Japanese gin. Yeah, mm. obviously. Now this has got a slightly. Uh, it's not just clear. It's got a slightly, slightly yellowy. Yep. Tiny tinge of that. Yep. Why Japanese gin, John? You're in the middle of Canterbury, Kent. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> and all of all of our products have a Kentish story and Kentish ingredients. This was a bit of a weird one. I, w I was approached by uh, a, a guy uh, named Kanichi from Okinawa Island five years ago, and they said, would I make a beverage with their fruit that they grow on the island, the shikawaza fruit? It is only grown... Shikawaza? Shikawaza fruit, yeah. It is only grown on Okinawa Island and a couple of neighbouring islands, which are Taiwan. So that's how far south it is in, in, in so Japan. So what does this fruit actually look like? So it looks like a lime. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, but it is extremely intense flavour. Really, so very citrusy, but very, very sour and very strong flavour. And they use it on literally everything on the island. So they put it on their fish, they put it on their breakfast, they use it in their alcohol. Oh. Um and the islanders live longer than anyone else in Japan, and the women live longer than anyone else in the world. And they put it down to their outside uh, lifestyle and the fruit. And the gin. Uh, I'm not sure about the gin, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. The fruit in the gin. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so, I mean, how do you balance, uh, particularly as some ingredient that you've never come across before, how, how as a distiller do you, do you make that work? Because actually, I've just tasted it. It's really nice. It's, I don't even know how to explain it very well. 
Well, I've I've just jotted down red fruit, citrus yeah. nose, and then the actual the kind of mid palate. It, it reminds me of something like Genepi. It's got that real floral botanical yeah. notes going on. Yeah. And then the finish is really very spicy and yeah. warm, like yeah. genuinely warm yeah. on the tongue, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's a very unusual fruit. I, I, you know, I was you know blown over. I was honoured to be asked, and um, they've sent the fruit over for free from Japan, and uh, and and I, I played a lot. And 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 with distillation, you just lost too much. So we ended up making a gin, and we rest it on the fruit for five five weeks, um, which is. Um, quite messy trying to separate the gin from the fruit at the end but that's make makes the perfect uh combination but how did you know to i mean you've got to you've got to combine it with juniper otherwise you're not allowed to call it gin absolutely so, so you've got juniper going on there how do you then decide okay this is a really interesting taste i now need to sort of um play it down with a bit of chamomile or a bit of you know whatever how, how do you just keep experimenting yeah to a degree but i mean i was i am quite a passionate person and yeah, I can't help myself sometimes. But so w with the fruit, you know, I absolutely adored it. And I thought it was, um, you know, just just a wonderful fruit. So I just wanted to get as much of that into the gin as possible. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it was a bit of experimentation, but I realized that you, you needed this at the end as opposed to, and I, maybe I get that from, from brewing like dry hopping, you know, you needed that at the end of the process. And so that's what I did. And and then there's a really rather nice uh, circular story to this, isn't there? You've made this stuff. It's got a really nice label, which looks, you sort of can tell that it's slightly Japanese, can't you? Yeah, so, absolutely. So, so, so it's quite interesting. So what's happening now? You've, you've, you've made these lovely bottles. So uh, we, we made the gin and uh, we ordered some more fruit. And now it's, you know, one of our, one of our main products that we sell. Um, and, you know, they were so wonderful that they sent us the fruit for free. So I sent the the gin back to um, Okinawa and um, they were enormously excited and said, um, send us some pictures and we ended up in the Okinawa times, uh, oh, which wow. was great. Fab. And then um, they actually ordered. Uh, Did they like it? Yes. Cause the local restaurants then started asking for the, the, the cause we were in the newspaper. Um, so uh, we put it all on a pallet and then they got hit by COVID before we did. And it never, and it never got sent. Um, but we've continued to talk in, Someone in my, you know, role in life would never get to speak to someone in Japan. It's just been a wonderful journey, and I've really, really enjoyed it. Um, Have they got any bottles over there yet? I need to know. Well, yeah, they've they've got the four bottles that we Excellent. sent, um, okay. uh, but, we, but we haven't exported it we out there. To... You can't move anything around at the moment. At the moment, no, but, um, at the moment. Once we get all that rubbish sorted out, um, I, the, the thought for me that that, that somebody shipped over. I mean, I guess you could say it's not particularly sustainable, but but they've shipped this stuff over. Mm. You've then made something which they really, really appreciate that's yep. brought out their history and, 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 you know, their sort of indigenous fruit. And yep. then it's gone back yep. and be really appreciated and then sold in the restaurants. I think it's a great story. And then we're yeah. talking about it here in Kent and oh, no. learning about it. Incredible. Really, really yeah, it's been a wonderful journey. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, that's great. So we've got the rum, we've got the gin. Uh, what's your plans now in the future uh, for... Well, it's called the Foundry. That yeah. if, you, if you go to Canterbury, you just need to look at the back street, just back from the high street. Um, but but you know you, you can do the tours there. Absolutely. Um, but you are called Canterbury Brewers. Canterbury Brewers and Distillers. Uh, our home is the who, Foundry who runs, Brew Pub. Yeah, the Foundry. Yeah. Yep. Gotcha. Um, and uh, we're 120 seat restaurant, so you're very relaxed. You can come in your do jeans your and have a burger. Thing? Yeah, you yeah. come in, have a burger, have a 
um, you know, a brisket and um, do your taste a tray of beer. Um, if you're not into beer, then you can taste our, our spirits. We'll even do wine and a Kent wine and a cup of tea, you know, it's, um, so come and enjoy yourself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we also do tours. Before COVID, we were doing one tour a week. We're now doing four tours, tours a week. Um, and is that just is that just uh, local UK people, or, or now we're beginning to get more tourists back in the country? Is, yeah, is it no, a range so, of? So we have an American tour group uh, booked week in week out for six months. Wow! Um, uh, the tour group is owned by the biggest travel writer in the US, um, and they they now come to Canterbury for um, our brewery tour overnight stay shopping for two days instead of Cornwall that's which is where they used to go sorry Cornwall sorry Cornwall (laughs) not sorry (laughs) it's a bit easier to get to probably from the airport um brilliant well thank you so much uh for that uh John um again any last um I mean, you, you've been in PR all your life uh, in the food and, and drink sector, AJ. Mm. If, you know, if somebody is starting a new distillery or a new, you know, brewing, cider, beer, any advice on the experiential thing and, and what that could mean? It doesn't have to cost a lot of money, does it, when you're launching? I don't think so. And and after all, it's all about telling this story, isn't it? Mm. I, I'm, I'm always saying no one knows how good your products are until after the sale has occurred. So... The more opportunities you have for sampling and, and getting different people to just try your different things and hear your story and hear your passion. Passion, the, yeah. It's absolutely. about the passion, isn't it? And it's about the kind of, I met the guy that made this. I know, I think people like that. I, they do, really I genuinely do. think people like to meet the person who's making it. Absolutely. Because they can talk about it afterwards. Yeah. Uh, and would you then encourage those people to, to sort of write about it on social media or, or take photos or does yeah, that help? Yeah, certainly. I think people go to social media for a sort of a glimpse of the future of how this may be and taking those little videos of walking in through the door and seeing John smiling saying, welcome. Those little moments really kind of show you what you're going to experience when you get there. And people go, oh, I've been on social media. I'm so excited about going mm. to this place and, and having a look at it. And, and also if, if somebody's then posting a, a, a little video of them doing the tasting tray, mm. that says so much more than, than you doing it, John, yeah, doesn't it, really? You, you know, somebody's because it's so authentic. Yeah. And, and people know it's not, you know, sort of false or whatever. And, and the problem is sometimes with TripAdvisor, I think we're, we're getting to the point where we're not trusting some of those things a little bit. Um, but to see somebody posting it and talking about it and being passionate, who's not the owner, I think is very persuasive. It is because it's authentic. Because mm. someone might end up saying, oh, I really wasn't so sure on this one, but I loved yeah. this one. And this yeah. one was a bit spicy or whatever. Yeah. Well, jolly good. Jolly good. So, uh, John, you've got a website, haven't you? Yep. What is that? Just We will put a link, of li- obviously, from that. Uh, from so it's ours. the Foundry Canterbury. The Foundry Canterbury. Yep. That's nice and easy. Lovely. Um, I would recommend that beer whose name I forget. What's it called? It's Sumner. It's Sumner. Very good. <laughs> or the Porter, obviously. Or indeed your uh, flagship um, bitter. But uh, I would say my favourite today, the Spiced Rum. Yeah. Good. Me too. I'm going for that, even though it is half past ten in the morning. I quite like that. No, but it was buttery and smooth. It was lovely. It was buttery and smooth. Very, very good. So thank you so much for joining us. That's John Mills of The Foundry. A real and, pleasure. Uh, yeah. And thank you, AJ. Pleasure. Always something different, isn't there? <laughs> every week. Yeah, every week. Um, you've been listening to The Food Talk Show. And as you may know, we're syndicated to radio stations across the UK and further afield. Um and we're available on Audible, Spotify, Podbean, iTunes, and the podcast app on your phone. We're also uh, available on the fabulous Eat Farm Now broadca- 
broadcasting platform. Did you know that, AJ? I didn't. They're a great bunch of people who promote farmers and farming. They've got great, um, uh, what's the word, Um, you know, sort of videos from farmers about what their job is like and loads of learning stuff and and really trying to just promote the fact that farming is so important to this country. Mm. So go on Eat Farm now if you have anything to do with agriculture or or whatever. And we're on there every week, so that's great. Um, Yes, thanks again, uh, AJ, and to our partners, the lovely people at Produced in Kent. If you do want to syndicate our lovely programme for free on your radio station, because we want as many people as possible to hear about it, please get in touch with us on hello at foodtalk.co.uk or if you want to listen to any of our hundreds of past podcasts on topics from snail farming to beekeeping, beekeeping, can never say that word, uh, go to foodtalk.co.uk. Me and AJ might just have a little bit more of that spice rum (laughs) and you have a good week. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye.